0: Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible, the house is on fire, and I apparently can't press the record button properly. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Curtis Stewart. Hello. And the legendary Julio Rey. Hello. So Julio, for those of us listening who aren't really familiar with your backstory and legacy, what sort of, who are you why, what's this reissue you're working on? Talk to me about all this good stuff.
1: Well, uh, those that don't know me, uh, I guess my claim to uh, whatever notoriety I have is because, uh, you know, I, I, first of all, I'm a Christian, and I'm into, uh, ever since a young age, I've been into rock and roll and uh, loud musics of all kinds of, of all manners. You know my grandmother uh gave me paranoid by Black Sabbath when I was fourteen for christmas that was in seventy four uh so how I, how I, old were you <laughs>
0: older, huh How old were you when your grandma gave you paranoid
1: Julia Curtis are you there Curtis Julio hey. and uh, became I'm a Christian back. at 17 and uh, uh, basically And that led into me uh, getting, uh, getting into uh, the lead, starting the lead with, uh, with a lady named uh, Nina Yopis, very, very talented uh, vocalist and, and songwriter. And, you know, we sort of formed the lead and got uh, we found a metal drummer named Rob, Rob Christie. And, you know, with our slightly different tastes, we kind of meshed and we, we made a go of it, you know, for a few years. You know, we played some cornerstone festivals uh, up in Illinois and we, you know, we put out some records. And Albert, this record, which is the subject of this, uh, of this uh, 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 30th anniversary release, that was the last thing that we did. And we, we did it uh, 30 years ago, 1989. And uh, 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 it was really our only full-length release on on a Christian label that had, you know, certain distributions. So it was pretty much uh, the most well-known thing that we did, you know. Wait, uh, wasn't the previous one on REX, too, or am I dreaming? But it was, Yeah, but it wasn't full-length. The previous one oh, was the yeah. path behind. Yeah, and that was like yeah. an EP. Which Fair we, decided to, we decided to just, like, re-recorded completely but that's another story don't want to go into down that rabbit hole that was that was all very uh 1988 and 2018 you know so uh, uh now,
2: yeah. now just to give you some bragging rights here correct me if i'm wrong but you were one you were the lead was one of the very first um what's the right word i'm looking for extreme metal bands in christian music was it not or is my memory going in my old age here
1: well, uh, I mean, it depends. On, you know, I, I guess we were sort of there at the beginning, although you could say that we were more like a crossover because we did start right. doing punk rock, you yeah. know, and we, I was into bands like DRI and Corrosion of Conformity and all that that were, they started off hardcore and they and they edged in the metal. We sort of did the same thing, yeah. you know, but but I would say that, you know, Vengeance, you know, was... Probably more extreme and earlier than us, you know. Just oh by, yeah, probably uh, by two years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they put out their first stuff after we were active, but, uh, but you know, they were they were they were really squarely in the on the metal side of things, you know. Did you
2: know Roger Martinez? I got to ask as an aside. Have I asked you this question?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I knew Roger. Did you? It was, okay. he, he, he intru- it was funny because he introduced us when we played Cornerstone ninety oh yeah uh he he introduced us uh and it was kind of funny because the, the lights went down you know and I, I, I like i couldn't see my i couldn't see my pedals to know to yeah. know what thing i should be in so i had to i had to ask them to put the light on the light up and uh and and also i i, I remember like my guitar was feeding back and stuff because i well that that was sort of what i was doing on stage most of the time you know doing feedback and stuff and uh mm-hmm. And uh, and Roger was going silence, silence, you know. And I'm like, you know, why is this guy telling me to shut up? I mean, <laughs> this is this is my stage right now. But you know, I didn't care. I turned down for him. But yeah, we we ran we ran across each other, you know, here and there. You know, they they came down here to Miami and we played a we played a show with them here. You know, we ran we ran into each other at Cornerstone and we did a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, trading letters and whatnot. You know,
2: that's um, awesome. For those yeah. who don't know, Roger Martinez is famous for being like a uh, one of the very first Christian thrash metal vocalists who turned. Didn't he turn into a Satanist? Isn't that what it was?
1: Yeah, I I I I think that uh, I think that there was uh, you know I think they 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 got into some hard times. He did mm-hmm. with in terms of contractual things, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to you know do too much assuming and all that because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know that he 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 did get into some difficult uh, straits, you know, and I think I think somehow he claimed that he was uh, that he was saddled with a lot of the band's debt and all that, you know, on his mm-hmm. own. And he went into some hard he went into some hard times after that, and I, it looks like he was kind of bitter about it, you know. I mean, I, totally. I wrote I wrote a blog post about him like 15 years ago. I I, I called him Christian Metal's answer to Darth Vader, you know. <laughs> That's i'm sorry oh it's funny well you know <laughs> good good <laughs> but anyway yeah maybe 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 uh i mean i don't know where he's at right now you know yeah. i know that he's on facebook and he seems to be trying to do some kind of business or something like that but i i really haven't i haven't talked to him at all recently but i, I know that he had it rough for a while and it wasn't it, it, you know it wasn't it wasn't the best of things, you know, for him, you know, to deal totally. with him. You know? so, but so
2: anyway. To it, so to bring it back to burn this record. So my question is, what, so what made you guys decide to do the 30th anniversary remaster,
1: reissue? Well, uh, basically the Bill Bafford of Rocks Records offered, you know, when we did our reunion EP a couple of years ago, the lead uh, again. Which uh, I he with, offered to, huh?
2: Which I helped you
1: with, Pierre. Yes, you did. Thank you, Curtis. Toot 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 toot. <laughs> toot toot. That's right. That's right. Uh but anyway, when uh when when we were doing that.
0: Julio?
2: Julio, I think we lost you. Uh
0: oh. Point being, um, this is really fascinating, and I think it's also just sort of an interesting testament to like what '80s um, extreme metal was like. While we wait to get Julio back, and mm-hmm. I think it's sort of a, a a hint at what's possible today, right? Because I think that the '80s were really the first time you started to see deeper studios and
1: partnership with uh, Rob Colwell the great mastering guy who's done a lot of projects and you know has done good stuff good done good work with our, our stuff as well he did the the mastering on the on the uh box set that came out in 2006 of the lead and uh and gave me complete freedom gave us complete freedom to package it and do whatever we want with it you know
2: so Julio, we we lost you for like a minute there there so no, can, can you re- restate the very first thing that you said
1: I I think so. I don't know how far back goes. You guys are sounding kind of low. Can you hear me okay?
2: I, yeah. I can hear you perfect. Yeah.
1: Okay. I don't know why your volume has gone down. Okay. Interesting. Well, all right. I will. Uh, okay. Basically, sorry. Basically,
2: uh, all good. Basically we're just trying to find out what, what the reasoning was between behind reissuing the burn this record after 30 years.
1: Yeah, just because we had an opportunity. We had an opportunity uh Bill Bafford of Rocks Productions uh you know did, did the CD release of our reunion EP again. Yep. That Curtis uh, so masterfully uh did PR toot-toot. for us with and uh yeah toot and uh you know would have been better if we would have answered all our uh, interviews but you know Yes. Yes. And uh and nothing uh uh when the time came to we, I asked him if he wanted to do the pass behind reissue last year and he said, yes. And that was, that was fun. So we're doing it again this year with burn this record. You know, we love Rob Colwell's mastering work and uh, they can, they you know, Bill lets us prepare the package however we want, you know, he's fine with it. How how I really want to talk about those, the bonus tracks on this though, because that's pretty interesting totally yeah,
0: i noticed that well, talk to talk to us about that it's a well, well hold cake. up
1: I got, a, I got a quick question before he does how
2: i thought you couldn't get the rights to burn this record a couple of years ago i thought you had told me that did you not
1: um i might have told you uh yeah it it it, it seems to be kind of a non-issue you know okay uh i i had i i had uh I had talked to uh, Matthew Hunt who who had actually done the reissuing of Burn This Record as part of the, uh, as part of the box set back in 2006. Yeah. You know, and he said that it was it really wasn't a problem to do it, you know? So I don't know I, if we get a cease and desist from whoever, you know, then, you know, I'll, 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 I'll do whatever needs, we'll do whatever needs to be done, you know, but, uh, but at this point, you know uh, uh it didn't seem to be a problem so what are the what are the bonus tracks
2: now I want to clarify I have not heard the new version of burn this record yet which is bad of me i, I but I have worn out the tape when I was younger uh, <laughs> so uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the bonus tracks huh
1: yes, uh what happened was uh in the in the uh run up to uh working on the uh to working on the final release, the final release of Birdless record, we demoed we, we 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 demoed out all the songs on my uh, on my four track on my Porta studio, and it was really the most meticulous uh, the most meticulous demos we had ever done. And like we we to we would write the songs obviously, and we would do them. We would we would demo them out. I I double up on the guitar, and basically I I had basically the tracks for the entire record and demo mm-hmm. form, And this was before we got our second guitarist, Andy Coyle that summer who did play in the final release. So basically, uh, you know, but we have, we have like an alternative version of burn this record. Uh, uh, that's done by just the trio. And, uh, you know, it was, it always sounded kind of crappy, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know with the miracle of uh, all this digital stuff nowadays i was able to connect the uh the porta studio to my computer and dump all the tracks on and uh and you know and make them sound you know pretty darn good much better than i expected you know and so, so okay
2: there's
1: there's on the actual cd there's like seven additional bonus tracks the best of the demos in my opinion, that are mastered by by Rob, you know. And then, uh, if you go to Bandcamp and you order the digital version, you get the entire uh, what I like to call Burn This demo and these mm-hmm. practice tapes, which is basically the whole of Burn This record, but in demo form, in the same order as the final release, you know. Mm-hmm. And those I mastered them myself, uh, which. It was a very elementary process that I call Ray mastering, which is basically make it as loud as possible and and, and double sample the uh, the clipping. You know, It nice.
2: <laughs> what so, they call rip falling. So yeah. Is there any other additions that you're putting with the pat with the
1: physical release? Is there like
2: liner notes or anything like that?
1: Yeah, there's uh there's an expanded uh, there's a 16 page uh, uh, booklet with all the lyrics cool. in in a legible. F- size font unlike the original uh cd that you, when know, you couldn't read yeah i mean i was able to read it when i was in my 20s but i can't now even like with my strongest glasses it's kind of funny
2: dude and, i was 10 uh, and I couldn't read it it was so tiny but anyways <laughs> the cassette version that is
1: <laughs> oh yeah the cassette version that's insane but i don't know what yeah. to tell you but uh yeah, and uh, we did the uh, we redid the art on the CD itself. Cool. Uh, just uh, just did something completely new, uh, and uh, put you know the expanded booklet with all the lyrics. Got has lots of pictures as well. You know, and I think it's a nice little package. You know, there's some great pictures, black and white pictures that were taken of us at Cornerstone '90. That uh, that are that are there, and uh, yeah, real cool stuff. What reissues?
0: What reissues inspired you when you put this one together? Um,
1: in terms of uh, the packaging, I really sort of in both this one and the past behind one, I was just I just sort of wanted to continue the vibe that we had started back in back then because both Nina and I we went to University of Miami and were graphic design uh, 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 majors natural stuff for us but in terms of the audio uh with the uh with the bonus tracks and all that uh, you, you you may not believe it but when i heard what 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 uh, giles martin did with the beatles uh, reissues that have been coming out of late the sergeant sure. pepper sure you know the I, I mean i i i'm kind of a nerd when it comes to reading about recording techniques and all that and i know that sergeant pepper was done on four track meaning they bounced you know, lots of, they had to do a lot of bouncing and all that stuff. And then I read about how Giles Martin actually would go back to the earliest generation of each part and dump that on tape and line it up, you know, to, make, to, to give it like the maximum clarity, you know? And I thought, that's great, that's wonderful. And then I thought, you know, I sort of have stuff like this myself. I have, I have these demos here where I have one cassette with the four basic tracks, and then I have another cassette with the dump of the four tracks, and it's got the the vocals and the and the guitar solos on it. You know, why don't I just get both cassettes, record them, and line them up, and and then I get you know first generation for all the parts. You know, and uh, really that was kind of the inspiration, and uh, it's, it's kind of exciting to to hear it like that. You know.
2: So is it's who's re-releasing it again? It was you said it was Rock's Records. Is that what you said? Yes, Rocks, R
1: O X X records.
2: So so and we okay. got it on our
1: Bandcamp as well.
2: So how how do people order the physical copy though? Should they go through Rocks or should they go through you?
1: Well, if they want it signed and they want the download with all those extra stuff, they can go to our bandcamp. You know, just go to theleadband.com and they'll get our band camp.
0: It's in the show notes. Cool.
1: Oh okay. It's in the show notes as I well knew. And so- uh, <laughs>
2: Why, why and, are you uh, Why are you releasing on December twenty fourth? I want to ask. That's kind of an odd day.
1: Uh, well, that's what that's what Bill wanted to do, and oh, okay. uh, I, don't, I don't want to undercut him. So you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine there, with
2: there, there, There's now, no or- tactical. You- huh?
1: thing.
2: There's no tactical
1: reason for December twenty fourth. I think he like wrote this uh, interesting Facebook post that you can find where uh, where I think he did. It was, uh, you know, it was the night before Christmas when all through the house that that whole poem. Uh-huh. I yeah. think he he wrote kind of a poem like that promoting it, you know. So and that that's cool. That's fine. Um, yeah. But if you order from from Rocks, you'll get you'll get the physical faster. You know, if you order from us, you know, you'll have to wait for Bill to send us our copies, and then yeah. I'm gonna have to send the <laughs> send the booklets over to. Andy Coyle who's up in I think Jersey now and then he's got to send it to Rob Christie who's over in Tampa and then it comes back to me and then I'll get Nina and myself to sign it so it's going to be a longer process you know because you know we, we got the the signed and numbered but we're not charging more for it
2: Cool. That's cool. So do do you ever look at yourself since okay, since you're like one of the originators again, I know you I know you're disputing that, one of the originators of the extreme Christian metal music. Do you do you ever like kind of are do you ever going kind to of get proud of your accomplishments that you've probably influenced, you know, hundreds of bands as a result of Burn This Record?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know? I, I mean, you know, I I I mean, it's actually, it's more humbling than proud, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, the first time I actually ever met Steve Rowe of Mortification, yeah, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of him. Of course. And the first the first thing he did was walk up to me. This is when Frank sent him he opened open for them in Tampa in '96. The first thing he wanted to do was get with me and and take take his picture with me. And I thought, I thought, I thought, you know, I got go. You know, I that was kind of funny. You know, it was. Kind of cool, you know. I mean, but he—he's a guy that we'd been corresponding with since like the late '80s when he was in a band called Light Force, I think. And uh, and I I get a real charge out of you know when when
0: you know interacting
1: with the guys from like Living Sacrifice. That you know, to me, their inhabit record, you know, it's it's in the running for a favorite metal album of the '90s, no matter what ideology they subscribe to, you know.
0: How do you feel about the state of um, Christian metal today? Ooh,
1: I, I got to say that I'm not, I'm I'm not really following it that much. I mean, the the mu- music in general has gotten so diffused, and you know, I mean, there's so much out there and all that. It's like I I, I hardly have time really to keep up with things, and I should I think I should keep up more, you know. I'm more worried about doing my own stuff and getting it out. Sure. It seems like there's no time for it, you know, was there, is there something particular that you wanted me to? We should you, talk about the Christian metal core scene. Because well,
0: well, because yeah, I, had, I had a about question. That? I had a question about the Christian metal core scene, but, but if you don't follow it, then I don't want to get into the kind of the details.
1: The Christian but, metal, I didn't understand the word you said. Metal core. Oh, the Christian metal core. Okay. No, no, metalcore
2: music. Do you know metalcore music? Are you familiar with what we're talking about?
1: I've heard the term. Uh, I'm not very good at matching genres with Fair. the sounds that I hear. To me, it all, it's all like one big scramble, you know? Sure.
0: So, okay, so so I guess here's sort of the question that, that I've struggled with a lot. is If you you'd look at these bands like uh, Devil Wears Prada or uh, As I Lay Dying, Uh, who are very much bands, or we came as Romans too, I believe, who are very much bands who started um, as uh, quote-unquote Christian bands and who, as they grew, kind of shifted their imagery away from that and kind of personally, many of those bands came out and said, we're no longer religious. Uh Um, How does that sort of thing make you feel as a progenitor of the genre? was that ever something you personally struggled with or struggled with in your band members? Um,
1: it's a real good question. And uh, I mean, I got to respect bands for doing, you know, the things that they do, you know, I mean, there's, we kind of walk the fine line, I think, between, you know, doing propaganda and doing art, you know, absolutely. and I know that, cool. I know that you know, this did cause a little bit of, you know, tension in the, in the past with us, you know, I don't think I, I don't think I fully appreciated uh, everything that, that, that we, that, you know, that we were all trying to do. I mean, I sort of saw myself as a guy that wrote songs and wanted to express himself. And I mean, I did try to to, to have like an artistic integrity to it, you know, that, yes, I'm a Christian and all that, but, you know, I think I think that, you know, the Bible, and I think a good talk, you know, would do more to get somebody, you know, to believe in, in Jesus more, more than music. I think the music is kind of maybe, maybe points the way or something, you know. But that's sure. not the only way to do Christian music, you know. Like, Nina is a wor- worship pastor at her church, you know, and she's always had this very you know outgoing you know very evangelistic fervor about about uh about you know about doing about the way she'd do her music and all that and that was that was coming through uh while we were in the lead and it wasn't it wasn't exactly what i was what i was really into doing you know and uh i i you know in retrospect i'm kind of regretful you know that uh you know that i i didn't encourage that more because that was really, you know, what, you know, her gift and her thing, you know. And as far as the bands go, you know, I I think, I mean, I'd hate for any band, you know, to to try to keep up some kind of a, you know, masquerade or something, you know, because this is what they think that they're, they have to do, you know, I I think they, I think it's better for them to be true to themselves, you know. Yeah. well uh, and, and you know when when in a band when not everybody's a Christian, you know that's that's probably you know a whole nother dynamic that you know I mean it, it's very hard to 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 make a pronouncement on it, you know
0: absolutely now okay, you said something very interesting. you said that so for Nina even at the at the height of um the lead, right yes ne- Nina was drawing inspiration from worship music. For some of her performances if I'm understanding mm, correctly i, I will,
1: no no what i'm so, I, I think what I was trying to say was that in she was kind of a worship pastor in in, in, her, in, in her very early stages she was developing okay. herself as somebody that was you yeah. know that that, that that was called to to lead worship
0: sure. sure
1: you know and then you know she really got into doing that much more when she when she did her solo stuff
0: absolutely absolutely. There have been, so tied into that, there have been a few um, documentaries about uh, various um, Christian communities uh, revolving around metal. Um, the most rec- One of, the, one of uh, my favorites is my friend Marcus, who has um, a Christian metal label in Norway. Um, do you think that there's a place for like a death metal worship service? <sighs> <laughs> Because I've seen it done, and I'm curious. Like, <laughs> no, I've seen I, it done, but like, is that a thing you think should keep going?
1: Uh, I think whatever if it floats the boats of those that go there, uh, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think I don't think the I don't think the New Testament uh, says you can't do that.
0: Well, you know, the uh, Lord came to Peter where, and laid out the sheet. It's all where where are you
2: office. guys talking about that does a death metal worship service? Look do it, it up. Hear? There was a thing
0: on. There was a thing on Metal Injection. Yeah, it's like in Colombia, I think. Okay. Okay. um, you
2: guys, will you ask the next question? Because I don't believe you.
0: And then there was in Norway. <laughs> there was something kind of tied into that. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the uh Nordic, um. But okay. So, and I guess kind you of God's going making stuff up. But anyway, no Nord Nordic mission. That's what it is. Um. Okay. But so so tied into that. Um. Do you view? Okay. So I. Okay. So I guess you said that death metal is pointing the way. So for you, death metal is not uh Christian metal is not necessarily evangelical. It's just an expression of your faith within that thing.
1: For me personally. Yes. Maybe some of my stuff will come out evangelical because mm-hmm. you know, the, the statement I want to make or whatever, but yeah, sure. It's, I, I see it as artistic ins- expression. That's the way, that's the way it works for
0: me. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that manifest itself in marketing your band? Marketing my band well, uh, or marketing this reissue, I guess is a better. not sure.
1: I'm uh, not sure I follow that one. I, I I mean, I just, I just see it as probably people, the people that, that have, the pre orders that have come in are, are people that have this already, you know? So sure. I think it's just people that want, that want the updated artifact and all, okay. you know, I, I don't know that this is actually going to do anything in and of itself. It might, sure. you know, in terms of uh, making people think or whatever, but uh, I, I'm perfectly fine if, if somebody just wants to ask me a question and all that, and I, I can talk to them about, or about whatever, or write to them,
0: you know, that's not a, not a big deal, you know? Absolutely. No, I was, I was just curious about that sort of, Side of the game as it
2: well. Were. Well, when we did, well, when we, I helped him with the lead uh, album a couple of year, EP, sorry, a couple of years ago. We weren't marketing it as like Christian stuff. It was like, this is the lead who were in, who are a Christian band, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct,
1: sure. Julio? Yeah, I think so. That sounds right to me.
2: <laughs> so, because, so I mean, I don't think the focus was necessarily going like shoving it down anyone's throat. It was just like, okay, you know, this is a group, but they sing about religious thing christian things right so um may, uh, sorry if i'm putting words into your mouth matt but i think maybe what matt's trying to find out is like when you're marketing the lead how much do you stress the evangelical side versus just the music the message um, music i think is what he's trying to say yeah
1: that- I, I i i do try to not i mean it's real easy to get caught up in the whole musical side of it you know the heaviness yeah. and everything else But uh, I don't want to, I mean, I do think it's one of the things that sets us apart. So, you know, I'll at least make mention, like I did in the uh, e-blast that I sent to our mailing list, I do make mention that, you know, sometimes maybe obliquely, you know, that this is, you know, Christian music, that it's, you know, that it it was
0: created,
1: created, you know, from a Christian viewpoint, you know, and it's passionate (laughs) about issues that are relevant
0: to Christians, you know. I mean, the lyrics are there, Sure. And, and and that's sort of the things I that's sort of the things I wonder about because I, I do talk to a fair amount of religious artists um who aren't necessarily making worship music, who I think are probably listening to this podcast. So I've just uh-huh.
2: But there but but there's all sorts of people. They put religious messages in their music without having that being like the main absolute marketing theme, you know what I mean? Or yeah. not just like marketing, but as the focal point on what the band is. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: well, you know, uh don't know where you guys were in the '80s, but you know U2 was very big among uh, yep all of all, all the Christian milieu and all that back then, you know, and yeah, uh, and even before that when Bob Dylan had his uh conversion and did those three records, you know, yeah, so, absolutely. Kind of, kind of walks the, uh, the 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 kind of walks that line, you know, how far do you go with it? And did did Dylan become an apostate after he stopped being? doing christian music et cetera. Et cetera you know yeah it's, this, a, it's not it's not all that new you know <laughs> yeah of course um
2: <clears throat> i have a question if if, if, yeah. if matt did you were you gonna say something or
0: no? no no i was waiting for you to talk curtis
2: okay i thought you were gonna say something okay so i have a question about uh so nowadays when you're on twitter and stuff like that one thing i notice is that you don't even really Push the lead that much? You're you're basically not even really promoting it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Why don't you use your Twitter more to promote the band? I guess is what I'm trying to ask.
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. I when I get on Twitter, I, I get very distracted. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm usually like uh, following what's going on with uh, the New York Jets, my football team, the, and uh, and politics and all this stuff uh i guess i just i'm really more using twitter to 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 more as a reading thing than 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 a marketing tool and i guess i should do more you know I'll, I'll, well, yeah, you I met me do.
2: through Twitter. I mean, like, but I wouldn't have known who. You, I wouldn't have put two and two together unless I would have seen that without the
1: the part in your bio where it said you were from the lead. And I was like, wait, right. I know this guy. Well, whenever I whenever I actually decided to tweet something on the leads Twitter, I most of sometimes I retweeted from mine. <laughs> I, I've noticed that, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, I I've, I've seen that. Okay, so yeah.
2: now... No, next question just okay, so just out of curiosity just don't, I'm not going to get heavily into this. So, what do you like the best about Twitter other than politics and sports?
1: Um, or is that it? <laughs> funny. No, no, funny things, you know, I like uh, you know, like I like uh, some some of these crazy videos that are that are there like uh Darwin Awards and stuff like that. It's just insane what some people will do, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally know. Uh,
2: now, okay, so now political Twitter. So you like to get into <laughs> political Twitter. Now, what? Now, okay, so do you have you ever gotten into a fight as a result
1: of talking politics? Because that's why. I yeah, I got, I got. Yeah, some communists thought I was a Nazi. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does a Cuban become a Nazi? How, how does that work? Um. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, there, there. Maybe, maybe I don't know something. Well, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a Cuban refugee. I was actually born there, and my family fled uh, Castro uh, yeah. when I was one year old. So, you know, I don't, I don't have a very favorable view of uh, Castro and communists in general, and all that. And uh, no, I, I took issue with this one clip of Tom Morello of uh, Rage Against the Machine.
0: Uh,
1: he was over. He was over here at a at a, a, a what's that festival over here? Why did I forget the name of the festival over here in Miami? I don't
0: know. Regardless.
1: Okay, yeah, regardless, it's, uh, <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue, but uh, but anyway, he was there and uh, and he was doing something in front of a banner that said "Nazi lives don't matter," you know. And mm-hmm. you know, to me, when you say something like that, you know, you're sort of taking on the Nazi viewpoint yourself because you're saying other people are you know other people aren't worth being alive, you know? Yeah. So 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 that what you're implying is that anybody can be a Nazi to somebody else. It just depends on who the target is, you know? Sure. So sure. so so I, I, I wrote I I I wrote a response to to that Twitter. And it was put on by a third party, some some other Twitter account for for some left wing organization somewhere in North Carolina or something like that. And I didn't word it properly, and I'm not even going to quote myself. But anyway, <laughs> they they thought that I was calling Tom Morello a subhuman, but I but oh. that's not what I meant at all. I say what I meant to say was that he he had decided he's got his own subhumans in his own mind, but it's these yeah. people that, that that think a certain way, and you know. I'm not gonna nothing's going to get fixed that way. So yeah, I had to I had to mute that conversation cuz you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of them came out of the woodwork saying, "Yeah, yeah, we should we should put you all in the camps just like you did the, the Jews and all." Jeez. So yeah, that's about as bad as it got, you know. So but we're it, low on big deal.
0: We're low on time. Do you have any final words of wisdom, Julio?
1: Um I don't think I'm the good a good person to, go to come come to for wisdom, but anyway, uh <laughs> No, just uh, <laughs> if you're interested, you, you heard the uh, the you heard the URLs and the, it's in the, the show
0: list. notes. Um, and
1: yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's in the show notes. Read the show notes. There Listen you go. Wisdom. Yeah. This has
0: been dumb and dumbest. You have been listening. <laughs> Thank you.